All right. Welcome to Chief Chats with Kevin Hobby and Todd Hagopian. I'm Kevin Hobby. I'm Todd Hagopian, and we have another Ladies of Liberty episode for you today with our special guest, Kay Fellows. Kay, you want to introduce yourself quick? Yeah, um, I'm Kay Fellows. It's uh, I'm actually Kay Fellows on all of my social media platforms, so if you follow me on social media, that's how you know me. Wonderful, and we'll get into exactly who you are and what you've done in the in the party here, but thank you for coming on. I think this is going to be a fun episode. I know you've got some issues that you're very passionate about, and we'll get into those. Uh, but first, let's take a step back and let's talk about what your path to liberty looked like, because very few of us were born libertarian. So where did you come from? How did you get to where you're sitting here today? Uh, well, I actually grew up uh, in a very traditional conservative household. I grew up very traditional Republican. Uh, whenever I got started in political activism about seven years ago, uh, I was very, you know, traditional conservative Republican, uh, very cookie cutter on my views, uh, pretty much whatever you think of whenever you think of conservative Republican traditionalists, like I had all of those uh, very cookie cutter views. Um, I got started in political activism through my pro-life activism. So they kind of, they very much meshed together and overlapped. But as my opinions regarding uh, abortion started to kind of shift a little bit, uh, my political activism kind of took a shift with it whenever I became more open to discussing common ground with pro-choice people and my social views became more progressive and started bordering more center, I started getting a lot of pushback from people that I had known through political activism for years, uh, say, you know, just kind of be really standoffish and uh, straight up mean, honestly, uh, whenever it came to me questioning opinions that I had held for a very, very long time. And that initially is what pushed me more independent. And that's where I found liberty-minded people and started branching off more into libertarianism. That's fantastic. I think one of the best political slogans I've seen a libertarian come up with was uh, Tiffany Hayden's run in Michigan when she said, question everything. Um, and that really made me do so uh, and look at each of my issues along the way and really try to figure out, um, and this happened before I joined libertarianism as well, try to figure out if I actually believed the arguments I was making, you know, so as your, I grew up, you know, right wing, uh, really, really tough right wing. Um, I would argue the Republican line, you know, against anything. And was I actually believing that argument, you know, as I was putting it forward? What were some of the first issues where you started to really realize um, that that was, that kind of armor was cracking? Um, and then are you still going down that journey or have you moved to pretty much libertarian on everything at this point? Uh, well, whenever I first started in uh, online activism as a pro-life activist, uh, one of the really, the issues that kind of divided pro-lifers back then was the issue of same-sex couples being able to adopt uh, children out of the adoption system, whether same-sex couples should be able to adopt and foster children, whether or not it was harmful to them or not. And it was always something that I struggled with because everybody around me was saying that it's it's not right for same-sex couples to adopt, that as, as a Christian, you can't support same-sex couples. And the majority of the pro-life movement 
at least back then, I'm not sure if it's so true anymore, was a Christian or Catholic. And it was just something that I really struggled with because it's like these children are rotting away in the system and we're saying that instead of putting them in a, a happy home environment that we should just leave them to rot in the system because you don't agree with gay marriage. And after I started talking to pro-life activists that were very, very much on the side of let same couples adopt because it's what is most beneficial for these children and what's most beneficial for society. Um, I finally took a step forward in coming out myself as a bisexual woman. And that was the beginning of just kind of a downward spiral of losing a lot of support that I had garnered over the years from pro-life people that just couldn't support me any longer. Uh, my opinions on abortion hadn't changed at all, but because of my opinions on just this one issue, um, it was initially what led me to leave what you might call the conservative movement. And I stopped associating with that label. Um, I considered myself an independent. And then it was at that point that I started finding people that identified as libertarians. And at the time I didn't know anything about libertarianism. And that's where you know I kind of started talking to people and doing my own research since that it I noted I realized that libertarianism is something that I identified more with on every level. Very cool. Yeah, I think um, that's really interesting because sometimes when you have a life event like that and you get, you know, quote unquote kicked out of the party or pushed out of a party, you you boomerang all the way to the other side. And it seems like you took a breath, you know, and tried to find your place, tried to look at the issues and figure out where you belonged. Um, and it sounds like you're still firmly in the in the pro-life camp. Is that right? You're just more socially liberal on on some of the other issues. And I know you had a few other issues that you're very passionate about right now. Um, what are the issues that you're working on in general? Uh, well, besides abortion, uh, I really like to focus in on um, child endangerment. You know, there's a huge push to normalize pedophilia. Um, I do a lot of activism in, in that arena. Um, I also like to talk about uh, sex trafficking, not just child sex trafficking, but sex trafficking as a whole. You know, sex trafficking of the children, sex trafficking of adults. It's a it's an epidemic in America and it just seems to be getting worse and worse with every day. And so that's something that I really, I really take interest in. And I think that it's, it's kind of all linked together. There's, um, there's parts of being a pro-life activist that kind of bleed into being an activist for born children and being an activist against sex trafficking because there's an issue with uh, abortion clinics aiding in the sex trafficking, and not just minors, but as adults and using abortion as a way to cover up um, for sex traffickers and pimps that are exploiting women and, and young girls through the abortion industry. So they all kind of mesh together. Um, I started in pro-life activism and just kind of stumbled onto people that we're pro-life, but we're also doing work in all these other areas. And it just kind of really, really pulled me in. And so th these are issues that I've become just as passionate about, whereas for a long time, it was just abortion. But it's like, there are so many other issues that we also need to be tackling at the same time that we're tackling the abortion issue. Yeah, and I think um, what's interesting about that is, 
when people think libertarianism and they're not in the movement, they tend not to think of us as um, social problem solvers. You know what I mean? We are, we are usually the ones saying, keep government out of it and it'll fix itself, this and that. We've had other guests on the show that are working on homeless initiatives, you know, and you're working on, um, on child endangerment and sex trafficking initiatives. And these are things that libertarians are working on um, without the aid of government. Uh, one question, um, don't want to get down a rabbit hole, but I guess we're already there on some of these topics. One question would be, uh, what, are, what are your views and how do they line up with the Libertarian Party on sex work then? Uh, I am pro-legalizing sex work. Uh, I did a lot of research whenever I first stumbled on to the topic of sex trafficking and how uh, the legalization of sex work kind of plays into people's ability to traffic and exploit women um, on an easier level. And studies show that making it legal and allowing it to be regulated would actually cut down on the amount of trafficking the amount of women that are in sex work involuntarily. So I think that, um, I, I guess you could say that the libertarian movement is somewhat divided on this issue, but I think overall libertarians understand that women should have the right to do what they want with their bodies as long as they're not harming other human beings. And whenever you kind of pull in the fact that it does, like studies have proven that this would cut down on the number of underage girls that are involved in sex work and the number of women that are kidnapped and exploited and trafficked into sex work. Um, I think that they align pretty well. Yeah, and I, I would say that I don't think the libertarian uh, movement is too divided on it. For the most part, I think most everybody is pro-sex work legalization or decriminalization of some form. I think, um, but but what's interesting is the biggest pushback that we typically get is things like, well, sex trafficking will go up, you know, child endangerment will go up, and it's just interesting to hear your your research has panned out and showed that as you looked at each of these issues and really decided where you were going to fall, uh, that you decided that pro sex work was going to actually. Um, help in the sex trafficking and the child endangerment. Are there any things that you can point to us, research that you can point to us, or things people who have talked about it that people can go and do more research on? Yeah, I mean, honestly, whenever it comes to my research, I find that, you know, we try to overcomplicate research. Honestly, whenever I want to know something about a subject, I just pull up my DuckDuckGo and I type in just the most basic search, uh, you know, uh, sex work, for sex trafficking, pros and cons, you know, type that into a search engine and just see what comes up with it. Because I read article after article, and I even read articles that were arguing on the side of legalizing sex work is going to make uh, human trafficking go up and it's going to endanger more children. It's going to increase the child sex trafficking that we have in America today. And I came to realize that the articles that were written from an anti-legalization of sex work really just didn't have their facts lined up. It was these uh, these opinion pieces written purely uh, out of like emotion. And you could really tell that the author was just anti 
sex work because it made them uncomfortable or whether or it came from a, a religious standpoint uh usually always had something talking about how you know it's the downfall of society whenever we allow stuff like this to be normalized and so on and so forth whereas articles that were written as a from a pro legalization of sex work standpoint could actually you know talk about studies and statistics that have been done um on how sex work is managed and being able to see the outcome of making certain aspects of the industry legal and how it would cut down on the number of people that are in sex work that don't want to be. Right. No, it's really interesting. And I think, um, I just think that more often we need our pro-sex work activists to also be fighting for the child endangerment and the, um, and the anti, um, um, missing what we were talking about before, but but if we can pair those together more often, I think that that's going to be a stronger message because I think when we talk about pro-sex work, sometimes we come off as not caring about um, society's perceived ills, you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. I think most of us do care about that. Um, it's just not in the same 180 characters or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's it's something that you run into a lot whenever you're part of any movement. I get it so often being a pro-life activist, you know, they always want to push back with, you know, well, you know, you're you're taking all this time to care about, you know, a, a clump of cells or a fetus or whatever they want to refer to a pre-born human as, uh, but you're not, you know, you don't care about the children that are running away in the foster care system. It's like, well, you can tackle two issues at once. You know, we can tackle the fact that the government saying that grown adults can't do something with their own bodies that isn't directly harming anybody else or infringing on anybody else's rights. While we also tackle the fact that child trafficking for a, a whole slew of reasons, it's not just child sex work, they, they traffic children for a, any number of reasons, but the child trafficking issue has just completely just blown up in the last few years. I mean, whenever you see the amount of children that go missing every year, it's absolutely horrifying, but we can tackle what the underlying issues are in society and why this is such a huge issue um, in our culture today and why we're seeing so many children go missing while also acknowledging that there is a huge government overreach here that is affecting grown adults that should be able to do with their bodies what they want to do as long as they're not harming anybody else. Sure. And, and from a child trafficking standpoint, how can people get involved maybe locally or nationally? What is it that people can do to help this? I think that the biggest thing that people can do to help whenever they want to help with child trafficking is to find an organization that they really, really like. Uh, Operation Underground Railroad is a great organization that I support. Uh, Vets for Child Rescue is also a, an incredible organization. It's an organization for veterans that uh, they're nonprofit and they work on busting up these child sex rings and they have been incredibly successful. I don't think people realize that the majority of the groundwork that goes into busting up these child sex trafficking rings is not on the hands of police or government agencies like the FBI. These the, the groundwork is being done by these organizations that, you know, they're being started from the ground up out of, you know, somebody's kitchen and they're doing incredible work and they're doing it because they're incredibly passionate about this issue. 
Um, but it takes a lot of manpower, a lot of money, a lot of traveling, you know, to and from across state lines to get these children the help that they need. So I would encourage people to find uh, a child sex trafficking organization and reach out to them to see what best fits their needs, whether it's donations, uh, whether it's, you know, dedicating time, you know, these organizations are always looking for volunteers that want to, you know, make phone calls or, you know, do groundwork or, you know, for those that can bear to stomach it, there are people that volunteer to sit in chat rooms where it's very, very common for children to be groomed and sought out by, by predators. Um, there's so many things that you can do, but the first step that you need to take is getting involved with a local organization. Yeah, that's great. Um, talk a little bit about what it's like when you came into the movement um, and you agreed, it sounds like, with a lot of the platform, um, but you were pro-life. Talk about that reception when you first came into the libertarian movement. You know, it was funny because as I became more involved in the libertarian movement and I became more open about my more moderate to progressive social views, I saw people that had supported me for years and years kind of start to fall off and I started losing um, a lot of support uh, that I had had. And then it was uh, a mixed, it was a mixture of people that were super, super supportive of me because uh, a few years ago, it was kind of controversial to call yourself a libertarian and be pro-life. The uh, libertarian movement is still very much divided on the issue of abortion. So I got a mixture of like, yay, another pro-life libertarian and uh, a slew of hate from libertarians that say that you cannot be pro-life and be pro-liberty. Yeah, and we'll probably do some shows on this down the road, but just was curious on that. Talk about your reception as a woman coming into the movement, because obviously libertarians in the past have not been known uh, to be particularly appealing to women in the movement. So what was that like the first time you walked into a room or the first time you started to interact? You know, it's funny, and I, I'm probably going to get myself into some trouble with this, but my uh, my experience as a woman in the libertarian movement was actually way better than my experience as a woman in the conservative right-wing movement, uh, not just in uh, garnering respect from my peers and other people in the movement, but also because... Um, Unfortunately, uh, I, I am a married woman, uh, happily married. It seems that the gentlemen in the liberty movement are a great deal more respectful of where that line is of me being a married woman and being someone that they interact with online than more conservative right-wing men had been to me in the past. Wow, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> So that could be a whole nother show. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I think what I'm hearing you say is, is um, you know, people often say the libertarian movement is, is very hard on women. I think what I'm hearing you say is, is many movements can be very hard on women. Your experience in the libertarian movement has been more or less positive, you would say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that I, I felt more as though I was being treated as an equal by the men that I interact with on a regular basis. Whereas 
uh, whenever I was a conservative, I was kind of seen as like a, a prop, like something for them to kind of wave around and see like, hey, or we have like a conservative pro-life woman over here. We're not anti-woman. And then uh, putting on a front of being very, you know, pro-traditionalism and pro-family. And then I had, you know, grown men with, you know, their wife's name and their bio and how many kids they have in their bio, you know, trying to slide into my DMs and be all creepy and weird. Whereas as I moved more into the libertarian movement, I didn't have that experience. Like I've, I know that there are, are women in the liberty movement I that have talked about their experience with having uncomfortable interactions with men that are also in the liberty movement. And I don't want to discount those experiences for those women because I, I've seen it happen. I know that it's very real, just like in my personal experience, I, I experienced that less and less as I got more involved with the libertarian side of social activism online. Yeah, and we are hearing that uh, during these episodes that as you get deeper into the movement and kind of through that first push um, that you tend to um, tend to find that level of respect a lot more clearly. Uh, and now, especially, you know, now we've had a woman presidential candidate, we've got a, a female um, who's running for LMC chair in 2022, and lots of females uh, running different state chairs and county chairs across the country. And I do think that we're starting to bust that um, viewpoint of us not being female friendly. We obviously have a long way to go. Um, is there anything you can think of that the party could do to become more welcoming to women as they maybe after Trump and after Clinton, Biden start to look for new homes and new parties to go to, you know, is there anything that we can do to make ourselves more welcoming to independents out there? I think that it's not really uh, based on, you know, sex or gender identity thing that the Liberty Movement really needs to do to draw in independence. Um, unfortunately, I think that the biggest issue that is keeping more uh, moderate leaning Republicans, independents that haven't joined the Liberty Movement yet, I think the majority of what's keeping them out is the fact that the libertarian movement has not taken a solid stance on abortion. I've had so many conversations with people that, you know, it's like they voted for Trump because he's the lesser of two evils and they knew that a third party candidate couldn't win. Um, and I talked to them about joining the libertarian party and getting that, you know, getting the ball rolling of having more moderate candidates so you don't have to choose between the lesser of two evils. And it's all, it always comes back to the same thing. Like I'm not gonna join a party that refuses to take a stance on such a important issue. So unfortunately, I have to revert back to being a pro-life activist. I think that the biggest issue facing the Libertarian Party right now is the fact that they will not take a solid stance on abortion one way or another. Yeah, it's pretty interesting because I think one of the largest debates in the next two to four years inside the party is going to be what to do with that amendment, or sorry, with that plank of the platform. Um, and there are, there's going to be a huge push to hold it as it is now, um, which pro-life people believe reads as a, as more or less pro-choice the way that it reads today. There's, yeah. a, there's a huge push to eliminate it completely and replace it with nothing and have zero plank in there and essentially allow people to have their own choice. Um, and then there's 
um, a push to replace it with pro-life, which I don't think will will ever won't happen in the next four years. Let's put it that way. That's, that there's not a strong enough um, contingent for that part to happen in the next four years. But the first two are legitimate possibilities, um, and I think it's interesting because your your standpoint is is that um, maybe hardcore pro-lifers would not respect the eliminating of the plank, which is often the argument that pro-lifers inside the party make is that if we at least eliminate the plank and it's not a pro-choice plank, then people will be willing to join. Um, but you're saying that the folks that you've talked to really need us to take a stance one way or the other. Is that your thought? Unfortunately, I think the, the, the hurdle is going to be if they are able to eliminate the plank to where the Libertarian Party has absolutely zero stance on abortion. They don't, as a party, they don't publicly take any kind of stand on it um, one way or the other. They just don't talk about it. I think that in order to see more moderate Republican to independent pro-lifers that abortion is really their voting issue, um, it's going to take seeing a pro-life candidate run on the libertarian platform and seeing how they fare. If a pro-life candidate can get on the libertarian platform and be received well, even though they are pro-life, you might be able to pull those more moderate Republicans and independent pro-lifers to the platform if they think that a, a, a pro-life libertarian candidate stand a chance. Yeah, and I think um, our runner-ups our runner-up candidates in each of the last two elections have been pro-lifers. So Austin Peterson was pro-life. Jacob Hornberger was pro-life. I believe that I've heard Joe Jorgensen even talk about eliminating the plank as a possibility. So I'm not certain that she's pro-life, but I know that she's at least open to um, eliminating the plank. I don't know exactly where her personal view stands. Um, so I, I do think that the there's a lot of big players in the in the movement um, that are having that discussion. It's just it's interesting. I, I thought what you said was the first time I had heard that where eliminating the plank might not be enough. That's why I kind of caught on to it um, because I know that I've argued in the past that eliminating the plank would be enough. Um, and so, Anyway, it's just interesting. Uh, somebody who comes from the pro-life activism standpoint uh, might have a different opinion than you know somebody who's just casually, I shouldn't say casually, but you know, that's one of their issues, one of many of their issues. Um, so we'll just see how that plays out. What other issues out there are you? Uh, well, uh, I come from a very traditional uh, conservative background. I grew up in a fundamental Baptist church. Um, I no longer identify with the original, like the religion that I grew up with. And um, after working through uh, some emotional and mental trauma of what I, I experienced growing up in the fundamental Baptist church, um, I started actually uh, speaking out about uh, my experience because I came to realize that my experience was not unique and it's something that a lot of young people experience, particularly young women that grow up in uh, not just the fundamental Baptist church, it happens in the Catholic church in all denominations of the Christian faith. Um, I kind of 
tend to hit hurdles because being a pro-life activist and even being in the libertarian movement, I have a lot of people that I've known for years and I would even consider friends uh, that are still, they still identify as Catholics, they still identify as Christians. So I try to be uh, respectful whenever I discuss this issue. Uh, I get a lot of pushback. It's, it's not an easy issue to talk about whenever you have so many people in your corner uh, that you consider friends that identify with the religion that you are kind of calling on the carpet. Uh, but it has been something that I've been increasingly passionate about over the last few years. That's great. Now, <clears throat> I mean, it sounds like you've got a lot on your plate, a lot of things that you're um, that you're working on and that you're an activist for. We really appreciate that work. It It's good for other people to see that there's different ways to help the party, you know, outside of running for office and outside of, um, you know, having a podcast and all this silly stuff, you know, that there's different ways to actually make a difference and, and pick some things that you're passionate about and work with some groups that are doing something about the issue. Um, so we really appreciate that. Uh, well, tell people where they can find you um, online and, and what you're going to be working on next. Yeah, you can find me on pretty much every social media platform. Um, my at is always the same. It's just my name, uh, K Fellows. Uh, I spell it with a Z online, uh, but that's where you can find me. I'm on. I'm most active on Twitter, but I do have Instagram. I'm occasionally on TikTok, and um, I do stream consistently on uh, multiple like YouTube channels. And I always stream it to my YouTube channel, so you can feel free to follow me there as well. Very cool. Well, we are uh, looking forward to this episode dropping another Ladies of Liberty episode, this time with Kay Fellows. Thank you, Kay, for coming on. Thank you for having me. Hold all my calls. He's a libertarian in chief. This is the libertarian chief chat. Just a libertarian chit chat with the chief. Oh, hey, I'm Kevin. I'm here, too.